0: Thank you so much for tuning into the Reclamation Church podcast. My name is John. I serve as the youth director here at Reclamation Church in Plano, Texas. And I hope this sermon grows your faith. I hope that it encourages you today. And for more information on Reclamation Church, you can visit us at our website, re.church. That being said, let's listen in.
1: You know, when you're standing in the back of the room and you feel the spirit moving and, and you see things, it's like, it, I tell you, one thing is that, that really warmed my heart this morning is seeing people who have been immunized and they've come back and they're here. And it's like, we forget it's been a year, you know? Um, and, and you see lifelong friends, like, interacting, and it's, it's, it's been so long. And, um, you know, for those who were at home and uh, who are not experiencing that yet, you know, please know we love you. We're praying for you, um, you know, when you come back, when you feel the time is right. But we, we do hope and pray that that's soon, you know, because I'm telling you, I, you know, of course, I was quarantined with my family last week, and watching um, through a screen is just, it's different, you know? I mean, um, you don't get to experience, really, the 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 way worship just, it, it engulfs you. It's just, it's just a different feel. So, um, so, hey, in case you're wondering, I am here in person, which means I dodged my third COVID bullet, um, which is awesome. Um, and I got some really cool news. Um, I haven't even told my wife this yet, but as of this morning via the app, I am getting my first shot Tuesday. So, ha! Um, hope you guys are uh, going the same route because we need to, need to get through this thing. Okay, so uh, listen, we're wrapping up a series today. We're talking about discovering our calling. You know, what is that one big thing that God wants me to do? What we've learned through this series, it's typically not one big thing. It's kind of like, what does God want us to do? It's a, it's a daily thing you get up and you ask, God, what, what are we in store for today? You know, what, what are you going to do through me? And what do you want to do to me and shape me and mold me and get me ready for this? One of the biggest questions that I hear uh, really all the time from people, and I could be sitting across at lunch or I can be in a counseling session or I could just be walking down the road with somebody. It kind of comes up, but, but how do I know what the right decision is? Right? I mean, how do I know if I'm going to buy the house or rent the house or marry the girl or just date the girl? How do I know if I'm supposed to go this way? or How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know if I'm even on the right track? So what I want to do is I want to talk about decisions today. Because quite honestly, um, if I could say this nicely, we have become spoiled with having an instant answer given to us right, because of, unfortunately, this thing right here. And this is a blessing, and and dare I say, it's a burden, right? So what I did is I came up with three just completely anonymous, random, out there questions. And this week, I applied the Google to the test. And so all I did is the first question, you know, and I want those who are young in the room, I know there's some young ones over here and here, those who were born and the internet was all the way around, it was just here. That wasn't always the case. And I want you to understand years and years ago to find the answers to these questions would have been a massive job. First question, what is the population of Istanbul? It took me approximately two seconds to find out. In case you're wondering, it is 15.46 million. Now you go back 50 years and you say, hey, do me a favor. Would you go research? What is the population of Istanbul? And you would go, well, where is that? And you'd probably get a big world map and you'd you'd find, okay, there it is, and I've got it. And and then you'd begin, okay, how do I find out the population of Istanbul? I guess I could call Istanbul and say, hey, how many are there? But you don't know where to go from there. Okay, what about this question? I know, totally random. This is how my mind thinks, right? What is the size of an adult male platypus? Again, took me about two seconds to find out. In case you're wondering, the adult male platypus is about 20 inches long and it weighs approximately 5.3 pounds. And we're going, well, hey, I, now I know how have more information, right? Do that 100 years ago. What are you doing 100 years ago? And you're going, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe the zoo might have one of those. Let's go. Let's get a tape measure. Let's find out how big that sucker is, you know? We have no way to find out. And yet today we have in our hand this. Huh, 5.3 pounds, I thought it was. You mean the adult male platypus, right? And you kids, you will always have that information. You've never had a time in your life where you actually had to go figure it out. I I did one for, you know, selfishly for myself. The the second car I ever owned was a 1982 Ford Bronco. I loved this truck. 4 by 4 I had a blast. It's my son's dream truck now, by the way. So the 1982 Ford Bronco. To remind myself, why did I get rid of that car? as I was going off to college, I just Googled, what is the miles per gallon of a 1982 Ford Bronco? In case you're wondering, it's 7.9 miles per gallon. (laughs) (laughs) Hence the reason I got rid of my Ford Bronco, right? How do you find that out in 1984? Assuming you don't have the actual information that came with the vehicle, right? I I guess you could call Ford and say, hey, could you tell me? But beyond that, you're like, now you go to a website that the EPA has. You type in the information; it'll tell you everything you want to know. But it wasn't always that way. This will blow your mind for those who are young in the room. Years ago, when you wanted to go on a trip, you had to actually. There were times you had to actually call and order a map from the state if you couldn't find the map, and you would get the map, and it would. It was always like this open, open origami, and it'd get real big right? And then you go, okay, we're, we're here. And, and, you know, I had to do this when I was a youth pastor years and years ago. And we were going like from here to Gunnison, Colorado. And the kids wanted to know how long it was going to take us to get there. I'm like, well, let me find out. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight the route we're going to take. And along the route, I've got to make sure I go by places where I know there's a bathroom. I know there's a place we stopped there before. Yep. There's a bathroom there and it's big enough for everyone. Okay. And you get this highlighter, and you do it. And then you had this little, little pin thing with the wheel on it. Remember this? And you would roll it along the line and it would tell you how many miles, right? And you had to be as approximate as you can. And you thought, okay, that's approximately, I don't know, 1,246 miles. And then you had to do the math. Well, if I drive approximately 50 miles, 65 miles, and then we had to stop and and then all this. And now you go, we'll be there approximately 2.14 p.m. You guys will never know the heartache we had to go through. Or what about this? Getting a hotel room. Remember back in the day, there were times you actually had to call a hotel and say, could I please speak to room reservations? Hey, do you have any rooms available on October 12th? How many rooms do you need? I need probably two rooms, two queen. Well, we don't have that. We do, And you had to actually interact with the person on the phone. Now you just do, 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 do. Oh, got it. Done. Search for a coupon code. I got it. Research is just at the palm of our hands going way, way back for some of you guys. Remember when you were in college and you had to do research and you would go into this place called the library and there were all of these books everywhere. And then it wasn't just like, hey, I need to find out, you know, who said such, such, such. You had to actually do the research and then go to this big box thing with all these drawers, this card catalog, and you would pull it out and then you would go, and you'd, You'd find the card, and you, okay, that's in over, you know, row 12, section B, third row down, and you go over and you'd find the book, and then you're just getting started, right? Because then you get this massive book out, and you've got to find out where in the book is your answer. And you find out, oh, it's on page 112, three paragraphs down, there it is. And yet now it's just like, boom, there's the answer. Now the cool thing is, boom, there's the answer, right? What we also have to realize is that's also taking something away from us. Someone once said the decisions that we make today determine what our tomorrow is and that absolutely is the case. In fact, the way your life is right now is based on the decisions you made, shall we say yesterday or further back. Decisions are massive in our world. Forbes came out with an interesting article and uh, I love this stuff, I don't know why. I mean, my, my, my kids are getting older but they're, they're getting ready for their careers and you know, we're trying to help them figure out which direction you wanna go and you know, we're asking all those questions and, You know, what we're learning now with today's culture is there's something, and Forbes highlighted this, called career paralysis. And this is specifically for those who were in their 20s, kind of that generation. And it's basically, they're like, I'm stuck. I don't know what I wanna do. And they're having a hard time making a choice in a career. Well, then you go to like the the, the reasoning behind that. And it's fascinating. You know, for, for someone like me, whose parents were raised by parents who were in the depression, right those parents raised them with saying a word over and over and over and over and that word was stability you need to do whatever it takes to go get a job that you can provide for your family and be safe and stable throughout your career nothing wrong with that here's the byproduct of that and then even the next couple generations is because we have people who go through their life working a job and it's stable and it's actually provided a really good you know income for their family yet they hate their job And maybe they're making a widget or they're sitting at a cubicle and they're like, I I don't like it, but it's a great salary and it's provided a good family for me. And Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Stability. Now here's the crazy thing. Those same parents teaching their kids are not preaching the same thing, stability, 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 because they hate their jobs. And so what they're preaching is this. Make sure you find a job that you enjoy doing. Make sure you enjoy what your life calling is. What, what is your passion? Again, nothing wrong with that. But then all of a sudden, they kind of get stuck. And here's what Forbes came up with, that when an individual, you know, specifically this, this emerging generation, <clears throat> when they're about to make a decision on a career, they have to decide, okay, well, there's three things I specifically want in that job. And those three things, okay, the first one is I've got to love what I do. Good luck with that, right? Because I don't care what you do. At some point, your job is a job, right? At some point, it's like, I hate this part of my job, but you know what? It's, it's, this is what you got to do. And I don't care what your job is. Everything has part of that. So the first is, you got to love your job. Okay, so number one, will you love it? Second one is, will it make a difference? That's noble and that's great. And then the third one is, by the way, oh, if I don't make really good money, I ain't doing it. And so what happens is if you list them all out, okay, something that I love, something that makes a difference and something that makes a lot of money. And when they can't find all three, they come back and live with you, right? (laughs) Just calling it how it is, that's kind of what's happening. And they're kind of stuck. Now, listen, there's actually, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things in our life, but what has happened is we have this culture that really has a hard time making decisions because everything is just spit out at you. Where are you gonna eat? Hey, Alexa, where should I eat today? Okay, there it is. Okay, can you deliver that? That'd be great. And then knock on the doorbell, there it is, right? Knock on the doorbell. You know what I'm saying, right? Yo, okay, back, we used to have to knock also on a door. That's never mind. Okay. All right, I wanna talk about this. How can we become more decisive? Right? How can we make decisions that, okay, my faith is leading me to make this decision, and I believe God's called me to do this. So what I want to talk today is about this this trusting God's process. Now, I love the fact that this morning we have um, probably half the room are people that I would say, man, you, 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 you've you been in this game for a while, right? I mean, I love that you guys are coming back after you've been, you know, immunized, and immunized whatever the word is. Um, it, it fixes everything, right? So you're back and you're better. Um, now that you're here what I want to talk about is this trusting God's process. And for those who are in the room who've been in this for a while in your faith and you are a disciple of Jesus, you're going to hear a lot of things that you've heard before and you're going to go, that's exactly what it is. And that is, that is exactly what happens, right? Now, for those who are younger in their faith, I want you to listen because this process, you will do it over and over and over and over and over throughout the rest of your life. Okay, we we don't ever know exactly what God's going to do, but this is kind of a pattern that he does on a regular basis. And so if you're trying to make decisions on where to go to college, who am I going to marry, where am I going to live, what what am I going to do the rest of my life, follow this process and trust in this process. Okay, so let's let's just dig into this. Now, first thing is we're going to be in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we're going to be looking at a guy named the Apostle Paul. Now, before we dig into this, I want you guys to understand the context of what's going on. Paul is in a place called Ephesus. Okay, It's a town, and I'll just tell you, things are going phenomenal for Paul right now. I mean, he's really liking it. He's liking where he's at. He's liking the the culture. He's liking the people. The people love him. Big bonus, people aren't trying to kill him. You know, it's like things are going great. And then kind of out of the blue, the Holy Spirit kind of... The scripture says compels him that he needs to go back to Jerusalem. Now, understand this: Jerusalem is the hot spot. This is where Christian persecution is. This is the ground zero. And the Holy Spirit says, Paul, that's where I want you. And so Paul does it. Now, what we're about to read is basically Paul calls a meeting, if you will, with the church leadership, the church elders, and has this very emotional goodbye, this, this understanding of this is why I'm doing this, okay? So you, you really see this emotional farewell. So Acts chapter 20, excuse me, verse 22, here's what he says. And we're going to read this in a bulk, and then we're going to come back and kind of dissect it as we go through this process. He says, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. There it is. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that uh, in every city the Holy Spirit warns me. And says, hey, prison, hardships, they'll be facing you wherever you go. However, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And within these verses, Paul reveals to us that this, this process of us trusting God. And this, If you want to apply some verses to your life, this is, this is, these are good life verses to apply to your life because it, it, I'm telling you, you can apply this to anywhere. So if you're taking notes this morning, what is this process of making decisions? Number one is what I like to call the love shove. Now, I introduced this four weeks ago. Um, uh, we're talking basically about the Holy Spirit prompting you or, or Paul says compelled me. Um, and, and really what we're talking about is this, this nudging, if you will. Okay, The actual literal definition, I mean, if you want to look at that scripture again, he says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. So in the Greek, that, that phrase compelled by the Spirit is a really cool image because we know that Spirit is pneuma, right? We understand what Spirit is and compelled is this, is this picture, it's, it's almost like a, a rope or a cord that wraps around you and kind of just gently tugs. So I mentioned the love shove, I came up with this, uh, I don't know, just being goofy, you know, dad jokes a couple months ago, uh, kind of pushed my daughter and said, hey, love shove, just love you, just love shove. And so it's kind of become this thing. My wife does not like the love shove, by the way, don't push my wife. Okay. <laughs> She's not big on that. Um, she loves love and embracing, just not the love shove. And so there are times though, the Holy Spirit, if he lives in our life and we've accepted him, Right. He lives within us, and so I, just to kind of give you an example. Okay, so what this word picture is—it's it, literally kind of like you, you have this cord, and 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 please know it, it's it's a gentle shove. I mean, I think there's sometimes the Holy Spirit like screams in your ear, like "I gotcha," right? But. It's like he would just come up to you. And if, I, if we weren't in a pandemic, I'd have a, a person right here. So pretend there's an individual. Pretend you were brave enough that I said, I need a volunteer. And you're like, you're up here, okay? Good job. So you're up here. And, and it's like we just gently kind of wrap this cord around you. And it's this image of just kind of just, hey, come on. No, no, no I, I, I need you over here. It's literally the Holy Spirit is shoving us and compelling us and and nudging us to go a certain way, to do a certain something for him. And Paul says, listen, I I really love where I'm at in Ephesus. Things are going good. And the Holy Spirit says, that's great. I need you in Jerusalem. That's where I need you to go. And so he says, I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like when I'm walking through the grocery store and I get that feeling that compels me to go towards the Little Debbie's snack cakes, right? That compels me. It's nothing like that, okay? So if you have that, that's just you having that sugar addiction um, that is not the Holy Spirit. I do wanna share with you a real example though, okay? Now, what I'm about to read to you is a text from one of our sisters in our church here. Um, And I I love this and please know, I'm gonna read this word for word and this is only after I asked her permission. I'm never gonna just randomly read something you guys send me, so please don't ever think that's gonna happen. Um, And and understand this, we have to realize as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we need to always be on the lookout okay, what is the Holy Spirit telling me? Is this coming from him? I mean, is he telling me to, you know, um, and there are times it could be an epic decision and there are times it could seem somewhat insignificant. Regardless, it's all important in his plan. If he is nudging us, he's asking us to do it. And so this is Anastasia Gill, who is a, a real sweet um, young mom in our church, and I love what she says. Um, this is a text. She says, hey, Pastor Tom, this is about, I don't know, five weeks ago. I just got done watching today's sermon, and it's funny because I heard the Holy Spirit just this week for a coworker ask me to do this. So here's what she says. I never in my life have I prayed out loud in front of other people. Now check this out. This is the Holy Spirit Come on, Anastasia, come on, you you can do this. Here's what she says. I grabbed a few coworkers, and I asked them if they would join me, and I felt the need to pray for a different coworker of mine going through some struggles, and I don't know the situation, that doesn't matter, right, in her life. Now check this out. They joined me as I led the prayer. Now how cool is that? She says, it was amazing to feel the Holy Spirit as strongly as I did. Now, guys, that's a love shove. That's the Holy Spirit saying, Anastasia, I know you've never done this before. She needs this. You need this. I want to show the coworkers around you just, that's being obedient and saying, I don't really want to. I'm kind of in my comfort zone. And she's going, I'm going to do it. So Anastasia, I think you're probably watching right now. Kudos to you. Awesome job. That's being compelled by the Spirit. That's, that's these love shoves that we've got to always be on the lookout for. So for you, it may be something that you think is insignificant and saying, okay, you know what? Okay, I will, okay, I get it. I'm going to join a small group. And you're like, well, what is, help for that individual, that could be a mountain to climb over. That I'm going to be around people, and I'm going to open up, and I'm going to share because I can have to, I can hide at home, or I can hide in this role, and they never come back to me. And the one thing this pandemic has done is really given you places to hide. And maybe the Holy Spirit's nudging you, saying you need to get around people who are going to encourage you, and love you, and hold you accountable. And maybe that's the direction He's calling you. Uh, and maybe for you, it's you know to invite that person to Easter. Here's a crazy world we live in, maybe it's to host a watch party at your house for Easter. Imagine that 10 years ago, right? Or maybe for you, it's something as simple as him encouraging you for the first time ever to trust him with your finances, to actually get out of debt, to actually pay off their credit cards, to actually be faithful, like okay, God, that's a big step, right? Uh, Maybe for you, it's to call that single mom that has always been on your heart and you're like, okay, I need a, I need a help somehow. What, what is he calling me to do, right? These are promptings from the Holy Spirit that we've got to be ready to listen for. So Paul says, listen, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. He experiences that love shove. Now, the second step in the process is what's something that we hate um, as individuals. And, and I'll be honest, I hate it as well, okay? But God doesn't really take my advice usually. Here's what it is. Um, you might as well get used to this. And get used to the not knowing, Um, For those who are, you know, been around the block a few times, is that right? Get used to just, you you, you ain't going to get the details. You can submit form 32B to the Holy Spirit saying, I need those details, and he's probably not going to release them to you. He's like, no, I'm sorry, right? And so Paul says right there, very clearly, he says, you know, in verse 22, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and then he says, not knowing what's going to happen to me, I I, I just don't know what's going to happen. But but I, I really would like the details, God He's going you, you, respectfully, um, no, you don't. remember that movie, um, that famous line, um, Few good men, Tom Cruise? I want the truth, <laughs> and what is you know he, he barks at him i don't think I don't think God's going to bark at us but 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 you can't handle the details you, you can't you, you you can't handle them but god i i <laughs> if I could get steps, you know, even just steps 14, 15, 16, and God's going, okay, we're working on step two. And about step seven, you're going to freak out. You'll be okay by step eight, but you ain't ready for over here. Okay, we're working on these baby steps. Step one, step two, step three. So, uh, you know, about 10, 11 Gosh, maybe 12 years ago, my wife and I had to make the choice if we were going to stay at this church and, and, and become, you know, uh, senior leadership and become the pastor and, the, and you know, the, the pastor's wife. <laughs> um, she loves being called, no, I'm just kidding, don't ever, don't push her like that. Um, we had to make the decision, is, is this where we're gonna spend the rest of our life to really commit to this ministry? And I will just be very raw and honest with you, it was a big decision. Um, I would love to say, it was such an easy decision, guys. We were like, we were in, right? Um, we, we saw this mountain we had to climb and uh, it, it, it was a very, okay, God, what are we doing? Um, and we had everyone praying for us, you know, and, and we kept saying, We need those steps, God. What, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, and, and I'm telling you, God knows what's best for us. And what He's saying is, You don't want to know the details. You'll get to it. But I'm telling you, you flash forward a few years and, and, and you don't have the faith yet for that. We'll get there, right? but I need to work on you and your steps, and I need to work on your heart a little bit in these steps, and then we'll get to that point. Now, what I know now, I would do it again in a heartbeat, because I love where we're at as a church. Back then, if I was looking through an index of cards going, I'm out, guys. Thanks anyway, right? It would have scared me to death. My wife and I are kind of seeing this now, a different kind of example. We are Praise Jesus on the tail end of possibly a house renovation. Um, And I will tell you now, we look at our house now and we love it. We love it. Um, But if you've ever renovated a house, just plan on doubling your budget and and tripling, quadrupling your timeline. And it's just because you're going through an old house and you you rip off the sheetrock and you're like, termite damage, awesome. And you come over here like, wow, the septic tank is broken. Oh, look at that, the foundation is shattered. You're like, ugh, right? Well, what's happening? Detail, detail. Now, again, you go back when we first bought this house, and if you sat down with me my wife and said, let me, let me list out for you what you're going to be going through, not a chance we would have signed those paperwork. And I'm like, no, uh-uh. You find some other sucker to do this thing, right? But, but now we love it. Well, What's happened? Step by step by step. You, you don't need to know all the details. And we have to understand part of God's process to just get used to it because he's not going to give you all those details. It's just part of our faith, trusting in him. In fact, um, Psalm 119, I love these words. Your word is like a lamp that shows me the way. Notice, not not headlights, right? N- not, not a flood beam, a lamp. Candlelight, if you want to get specific. Oil lamp, right? What's that going to reveal? Two steps? Maybe three steps? It ain't going to show you a mile down the road. Now we have these, you know, fifty million candlelight powered. no, no. Go back to biblical times, couple steps in front of you. Here's what he says, it's like a light that guides me. You know, we're kind of doing this right now as a leadership. We're asking, you know, the Holy Spirit to really guide our steps because we wanna know, God, what do, you, what do you want us to do as a church? Where are we going? And we understand what our mission is, right? Our mission is to embrace those who've given up on church so they can discover Jesus Christ. But then how do we do it? Here's a specific question. And in today's culture, when, when, when most of your church is, is watching through digital media, right? And people are finally coming back, but they can't really be in, in, in close. It's like, how do we do this, God? And it's like, God's saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you a couple steps, right? And our job is to be obedient. Okay, now here's a great biblical principle, if you wanna write this down. And again, apply this to every decision you have to make. Our plans for the future start with being obedient today. We often get freaked out. Okay, God, but what am I going to do? Right? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live when I retire in 40 years? i are like, what, what? Just get up, have your time with God, and say, God, where am I going? What am I doing? And I'm going to take that step. Be obedient today. Here's what we do know, right? God will never leave us, God will never forsake us, and he will always show you the next step. Here's a scripture we looked at last week, Psalm 32, 8, and I love this scripture. God says, I'll stay close to you, instructing you and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide if you could just envision the holy spirit wraps his gentle you know cord or rope around you and says let's go this way third step another one we don't really care for is expect opposition just go ahead and put it in your calendar we don't know the specific dates but opposition is coming paul says in verse 23 all i know is i'm I'm being prompted he says i I don't know what's going to happen to me there um He says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Now we can look at that and kind of gloss over and go, well, you know, that's just, you know, hardship for Paul. Let's put it in our perspective. I mentioned a little while ago a young mom, Anastasia, in our church, did this great, you know, courageous, bold, faithful act in her workplace. And it went over and prayed with another coworker and say, pray with me, guys. And she prayed out loud. Now, apply this, she gets arrested, she spends four years in prison, and she's separated from her family, and she may die at any minute. Right? That, that puts a visual, that's kind of what's going on here. Right, I mean, he's literally talking about this is going to be very, very secure. And scripture teaches us when you follow Christ, it's not always going to be easy. Fact is, there's going to be opposition. Now, one thing that I do not believe in, and this may step on some toes, so if you, if you are used to saying this, I apologize, but I'm not a big fan of the door and window theology. Let me explain what that is. Well, honey, you know, if God closes that door, he'll open a window, Will he? Because I don't see that anywhere in here. Scripture doesn't speak of that. Well, honey, listen, maybe if the doors keep closing, God doesn't want you to go that way. Well, actually, what he says is expect opposition. And so maybe when the doors are closing, that's the opposition. And when times get tough, if we just say, well, Grandma said, I guess God doesn't want me to do that. And then what's happened? We've just gone the way, we're getting tugged, going, it's kind of hard, I, you know, because as Christians, we should never have hard times. And then Jesus says, I never told you that. He said, I, actually, I said, prepare for it. Put on your calendar, right, get ready for this. And so what happens so many times is we're like, wait a minute, things are getting a little tough. It must be, now think about if you were the enemy, right? And scripture teaches that we very much have an enemy, right? Um, when do you think he's going to attack? When you're actually making a difference for the kingdom of God or when you're not? I can guarantee you it's when you're in the trenches making a difference that you're going to find opposition. And so you might even tell yourself, when you're receiving opposition, it's probably a good sign you're on the right path. Came across a fantastic quote I have no idea who said this because people are all over trying to kind of claim ownership. But here's the quote. Here's what it says. The struggle that you're having today, it's developing the spiritual strength that you need tomorrow. Understanding that every step we're on, God's working on you, working on your heart, working on your faith, working on your personality, Maybe he's, you know, shaving off some edges, he's humbling you a little bit, he's giving you a little more courage, he's getting you ready for whatever tomorrow brings. Be prepared to receive opposition. So we have the love shove, we have, you know, get used to not knowing, and we realize that there's gonna be opposition coming. And then the, the fourth one, fourth one is is pretty simple to say, not always the easiest to do, and that is just take it one step at a time. Just take it one step at a time. And so, if you don't know much about the Apostle Paul, his conversion was actually fascinating. So, Paul used to be a guy named Saul. Um, Saul was not a Christian. He actually hated Jesus, hated Christians, hated the you know, disciples. And he actually, for a living, um, would arrest them, persecute them, kill them if he could. And one day he's on his way to Damascus, and he literally has like a hunting license for Christians. Um, he's like, legally, I can do whatever I want to do. And on that road, he he encounters the, the resurrected Jesus and as you can imagine, it just changed his life in just in a moment's time. He's like, I, "Okay, you're real. I was obviously way wrong. I'm really sorry, uh, killing your people." I'm, and so out of nowhere, Jesus says, "You're the one I'm going to use to 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 reach all the Gentiles." Now, if you're saying, "Well, what is a Gentile?" Right? Um, I'm pretty sure I'm Texan, right? Um, simply put, if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. It's kind of like Jewish and everybody else. So. Pretty good chance we're all Gentiles in this room. Now, here's the cool thing. Paul's excited, right? I mean, if you've ever met someone who's, who's literally like a light switch went off and they're a different person, they're excited and they're vibrant and I'm ready to go. Um, now, here's the crazy thing about Paul is he's ready to go out and save the world, um, but it takes a few years before God ever lets him. Isn't that Isn't that interesting? Well, Paul, just go on down the road and do your thing. And, and, and somewhere about three years, he finally preaches his first sermon. And let me tell you, it went so good, they literally wanted to kill him afterwards. And so, flash forward another, you know, years and years, I mean, about, you're talking eight years. Now, let's think about this for a minute. Why was Paul having such a hard time landing preaching gigs? Simple, right? I get emails all the time. Hey, you know, our gospel choir is gonna come through town and we'd love to swing, you know, um, if I got an email or, or a note or a knock on the door, hey, um, the guy who used to kill your church members is in town, he'd love to preach Sunday, I'm going to pass, right? That's kind of what's going on. And so finally, someone, you know, kind of speaks up for this and said, no, he, you need to really hear this guy and his ministry takes off. But it was obedience, just step by step. In fact, what Paul was doing is he was making tents to pay his bills. Just going to work every day, sewing up tents. That's how he's just, you know, making a living. And, and so... Life lesson here, okay, if you want to write this down, life lesson for you if you're going through tough times, if you're trying to figure out what tomorrow holds, look at this. you got to become who he wants you to be, step by step, shaping you, molding you, using the good times, using the bad times, so you can do what he wants you to do. And if you don't ever actually go through that process, you may never be ready for what he has in in, in store for you. You got to become who he wants you to be so you can do what he wants you to do. Now, there's one life verse that if we could all just get to this point as disciples, then, you know, but this is big, and this is what Paul says. And I, and I love his heart behind this, but he basically says, Hey, I, I really like Ephesus. I like what I'm doing. They like me. I like them. But it's like there's something, you know, this rope wrapped around me. And of course, he's mature enough in his faith, he realizes that's the Holy Spirit. Speaking in my ear, saying, you need to go to Jerusalem. And he says, I'm going to go. But the Holy Spirit's also telling me, it ain't going to be fun. It ain't going to be easy. Prison, hardships, everywhere I go, but but I'm going to go. And then I want you to see what he says in verse 24. I mean, this is such a beautiful key verse. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, right, step by step, and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. My only goal is to finish the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, what would Paul do? His obedience, his step by step, he would go on to write almost two-thirds of the New Testament, which we study a lot, by the way, he would go on to write to, to, to start church after church after church in Europe and Asia Minor, and they would just go on to just spread like wildfire the gospel of Jesus Christ. How did he accomplish all this? Obedience, step by step. In here's what you will not see anywhere in any of Paul's writings: his 10-year plan. You don't see that. You don't see this 10-year plan of okay, well, I'm going to you know, about this. You don't see that. You see this step. By step, and what you also don't see is Paul applying the door window theology. Do you know how many doors were shoved in Paul's face? How many windows were just slammed down? I mean, okay, if you're on your way and you're in, and a big storm comes and you're a ship, and then you get shipwrecked not once but a couple times, and then you get bit by a snake, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna hold off on the mission trip, guys. Something's not right here. Right? I'm gonna back out. Then that church was never planted. He pushed through, he realized the opposition is the Holy Spirit saying, that's the devil. He's trying as hard as he can. And yet Paul had the faith to push through. And this is a process that we can absolutely apply to our life. What do we do? <laughs> we sense the Holy Spirit, which means you gotta have a relationship with God. You gotta be in tune with him. And all of a sudden that wraps around, he's like, uh, no, go talk to her. Nope, you know what? You need to swallow your pride and suck it up. You need to forgive them, right? Or, or whatever that decision might be. And then we just follow this process all the way through. I don't know the details, God. He's going, you don't need to know the details. I got it. Okay, God, but you know, I, opposition. Yep, opposition. I get it. I, I've won the war. Don't worry. We'll get through this. And he builds our faith over and over and over. So what does this mean for you? You're like, oh, this, just 2021, man. I'm not making tents. Well, okay. Maybe you're waiting tables. Let me tell you something. I, I waited tables for, gosh, four or five years in college. That is a mission field. <laughs> maybe it's God calling you to be faithful in your faith in Jesus Christ in a mission field known as, you know, whatever restaurant. Or, or maybe you're a stay-at-home parent. And right now that's you're making tents. And God's saying, you, you, you be on fire for your faith and you show those kids what it means to have faith and to be bold and to love and to forgive. You show them. Or maybe it's, it's you off at college and you realize that you're now the minority when it comes to you know, Christians and your work, whatever it could be. But you realize that when God nudges you, it's always for his purpose and his plan. Scripture says very clearly, and I love it, that you, you can come up with your plan for your life, but it's him that, that, that sets the steps, right? And so we need to trust in that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the way that you have moved, that you are directed. Father, I, I personally, for me, and I can say for my wife, thank you for, for letting us stay here. We, we are so thrilled with what you're doing at Reclamation Church. And Father, I pray that you would be with everyone who's watching, whether they be at home or in the room or listening on the podcast, even a couple days down the road, Father, you would just uh, speak to them. Father, help us, help us sense those nudges. Help us sense those love shoves. Help us know when you're prompting us and compelling us to do something. And then, Father, help us, help us have the courage to take the first step, not knowing all the details, just the first step. And then once we get there, take the next step. Father, we, we ask that you would move in a mighty way in the lives of those who are watching, listening in this church, Father. We belong to you and we love you and we pray that you would be glorified through us. It's in Christ, and we pray, amen. <clears throat>
0: Thank you again for tuning in to the Reclamation Church podcast. For more information on Reclamation Church, you can visit our website, re.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. It's re.churchplano. We look forward to seeing you on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Or you can just come back here on Mondays for our sermon episodes. And on Thursdays, we have our discussions podcast where me and the ministry coordinator, Katie Rose Boudet, talk about this week's sermon and apply it to our day to day. Have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time.